Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast agreeing to a lower conflict divorce. It doesn't mean that you agree upon everything. I'm using the correct professionals and I'm streamlining that process. Amicable does not mean simple. It means we're agreeing to resolve our differences respectfully. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process. So listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I'm joined by a new friend who has a lot to share with you. In fact, her nickname is the Divorce Whisperer. Um, I happen to really enjoy that name, so I'm going to use it. I'm sure you're going to hear it a lot through here. Tracy Moore Grant was just recently introduced to me by another of our friends and guests here on uh, Divorce and Beyond, Story Jones, as you all know from Detour Life. Uh, we were all together at a recent conference here in Chicago, and they happened to be right next to each other um, talking about some of the things that they do. Story was there with Detour. If you haven't heard D uh, Story's episode, go listen to it. She's got a lot of great tips for helping you on the financial side and the organization side of your divorce. But I started talking to Tracy and I instantly knew I had a kindred spirit here because this is a smart cookie. This is a lady who has, you know, she's a founding partner of a law firm. Um, she focuses her practice on all areas of family law. But much like me, this may sound familiar to a lot of you listening. She sort of transitioned over to, I always called it the non-adversarial approaches. You've got the non-litigation um, attorney and mediator. So we really are in that same space. I, I know because I've spoken to her 
for the same reasons, because we want to help people get divorced in a better way. Um, And then she also, because she's so passionate about trying to help people find that better path, which is half the battle and part of what we're going to talk about today, she's also one of the founders of the Amicable Divorce Network, and we'll talk about that. But for today, I want to hone in on that word amicable. So Tracy, I said to you right, right away, I'm like, amicable is the word. How many times when a potential client has walked through your door to interview you or talk to you about getting a divorce, how many times have you heard, I just want an amicable divorce? We want to keep it amicable. All the time. I mean, everybody from uh, the most personality disordered person (laughs) all the way down the uh, spectrum, so to speak, to the actual amicable person, they all use the word. And so um, everybody wants to appear amicable. Everybody wants to um, think that they're being amicable. uh, But truly, that is sort of a word that doesn't have a ton of meaning. So in using the word in the Amicable Divorce Network, we really wanted to capture and define it and give it a meaning in the legal process. Yeah. And and I love that you used it because, you know, I've done, I told you like 300 plus episodes. I've never done one on what an amicable divorce is. And I think the reason for that is because it is very hard to quantify what an amicable divorce is. It's kind of like in divorce, I always say fair is the F word of divorce, because what I think is fair is different from what you think is fair, probably, and what each couple thinks is fair and what a judge thinks is fair. We know the word fair has very little meaning in the divorce context. Very subjective. Exactly. And, And amicable is kind of there as well. But you have chosen to use it. You are the Amicable Divorce Network. So let me start with what does an amicable divorce mean to you or look like to you? So professionally, if somebody wants an amicable divorce, we would define that as an out-of-court process. So we complete a divorce start to finish without accessing the court system. Um, We use informal discovery, financial disclosures that are done under oath. We love Detour Life and Story Jones. She um, hosts our technology and um, is um, awesome with that. And we use mediation and alternate dispute resolution to resolve any differences that arise between the parties. So amicable to us means that you are agreeing to a lower conflict divorce. It doesn't mean that you agree upon everything. But it means that if I'm negotiating with you, I'm doing it respectfully. I'm using the correct professionals and I'm streamlining that process. For example, amicable does not mean simple. It means we're agreeing to resolve our differences respectfully. So often I deal with cases in my practice that are amicable that involve, for example, a business valuation. Well, in a traditional contested case, you would have two business valuators. Each party's paid at least $10,000 to these professionals at a minimum just to get an opinion on the business. And then they argue back and forth. And usually they're very qualified professionals. You know, in your community, you probably know who those top-notch people are. Um, So in our amicable cases, the parties agree to use one professional for that purpose and defer to their judgment about that. Um, And we have top-notch professionals in the network to provide that type of guidance on those complicated issues. So the parties are agreeing to not 
be filing high conflict motions in the court system, you know, and um, no nasty grams back and forth between the attorneys. Right. You know, so that's a a breath of fresh air. (laughs) I knew we were simpatico because nasty gram is one of my favorite phrases. So. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm done with that, you know, so, um, and then we work, the attorneys um, are vetted who are in our network. All of the professionals are for being experienced, five years of experience, um, vetted for being um, conflict averse or resolution focused and also having fair billing practices. So as you know, Susan, um, when you have a case that you're working on with somebody, it's who is on the other side that you're dealing with sets the tone. It does. Yeah. You are always going to have upset clients. You are always going to have people who are emotional that I think everybody expects in family law and you should have a certain amount of experience to handle, but that other person, that other professional can sink the whole ship. (laughs) They can blow it up, right? Or make it very difficult. That's for sure. Yes. And I've, I've been in those nightmare situations. And so this controls that, that the parties that everybody's working with are all focused on. If the parties say we want an amicable divorce, everybody's honoring that mindset and that wish to get them to the finish line. Um, and so that's a very long explanation of what we determine amicable to be. <laughs> but but it's truthful. And I want to go back to one word that you used in, in your description, because to me, I think we might be able to even interchange it with amicable. You said respectful several yeah. times, right? People behaving respectfully. Um, I just posted something today about being a grown-up, being, you know, we, we don't get to, in a difficult process, we don't get to give in to our need for revenge, anger, hurt, you know, those things we may want to do. We have to sort of pull it up and be the grownups, be respectful to the other person to have a, an amicable divorce. And that's important, I think, for people to understand because your other phrase that I think is important, <laughs> I want to highlight for people, the takeaway here is an amicable divorce does not mean an easy divorce. It doesn't. You know, we actually deal with some very complicated issues. We deal with mental health challenges, addiction issues, you know, complicated asset and business issues. And what's very interesting is that we see a lot of people who have high assets gravitating towards the amicable process because they know the value of a dollar and they want to preserve that. And so they are attracted to the process as opposed to doing duplicate work in a contested case. Um, But having a streamlined process that still has professionals involved to give you good advice, there is still negotiation. It is done in a respectful way. Um, we call it divorce for reasonable people. That's sort of our tagline. So love it. it can also be it. a reasonable divorce for people. So either way, but it's, you know, yes, it's behaving. Anger is so expensive. You can't afford to be angry in a divorce um, because the legal system is not designed to make you feel any better. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> there is nothing about it that is going to, the nothing about the legal system is going to make you feel less hurt or less pain, but attorneys will be happy to take your dollars to see if they can try, you know, to, to make you feel better. Sure. Um, but the, by the time you get in front of any judge, you're probably not even angry anymore. So I always tell clients, you know, to t- 
take that money that you would have spent on 15 motions and depositions and all these things that, you know, just most people don't need in a divorce and go on a great vacation. Um, do something, do something that you enjoy, something you've always wanted to do, but don't hand it to me, you know, do something for yourself because it, money spent on anger in the legal system is money wasted. Well, and, and you said, I have to, I'm so glad I get to use this phrase. Cause when we were talking about the episode, you said an angry divorce client is money in the bank for a divorce attorney. Absolutely. And it's so true. Yes. And I've seen time and time again, not, you know, in my own practice, but you know, when you're, when I used to be a litigation attorney, you're in reaction mode, somebody files a motion, even if I don't agree with that, I have to respond to it. You know, you, you're duty bound to engage in this process. And so when one of the parties has this anger and is trying to get their pound of flesh, you know, through the legal system, there's all these things that happen, but they take a ton of time. And so, you know, 90 days later, when that issue is finally ripe for either a court hearing or a response, you know, legally or something, the person's generally not angry anymore and they dismiss it. And you've spent all this time and money addressing their emotions. And it's an emotional process anyway, but, you know, we have mental health professionals and all sorts of professionals, wellness professionals in our network to help people to actually channel those feelings help them heal and help them move forward in the correct path because the legal system is not the place to get that type of healing and get a future focused result. Yeah, no, it's in in fact, I don't remember any classes in law school about (laughs) helping people with their emotional content at all. No, (laughs) No. that that would have been helpful. It would have. Honestly. Yeah. Um, and maybe they're doing it now. Any any law school professors or deans out there, get it on the get it on the um on the roster because our, if you're gonna do family law, people are dealing with emotions, but there are much better people to deal with those emotions and help you deal with them. Everyone says they want an amicable divorce. We've now explained to people what that actually means and that it's not this simple, easy thing. You have three things you suggest people look at to see if a an amicable divorce, a respectful divorce process is, is the right path for them or it might be the right path for them. Because as you point out, people, right, they get to choose how they get divorced. Yeah, I think that's something that's very important for people to understand is that when you're faced with divorce, you get to choose how you want to get divorced in our country and in Canada and some other countries, that choice is entirely up to you. Um, And so you do not need to run to the court system, file paperwork and have it served like that. That's one way to get divorced. Typically isn't the best, doesn't start things out on the best foot, in my opinion. Um, And so you have that choice. So I, I always ask people, to really reflect upon a couple of things. So you've made the decision, you're faced with divorce. What do you do next? Well, you you don't go surfing the internet for the Google ads that pop up for a divorce attorney. So please don't do that. The first thing I would say is take take a minute um, and determine how do you want, in what position do you want to be at the end of the divorce? Do you want to be a happy person, a healthy person? Um, Do you want to stay in your home? You know, do you want to have a certain relationship with your children? Do you want to have a certain relationship with your spouse? Maybe you're having to co-parent. What does that future look like short-term at the end of the divorce? What would be your goal? What would you look like as a person? 
what would your world look like? You know, are you having to work, you know, sort of look at all of these different new dimensions that you might have. And then what is your goal five years out? Um, you know, what is the future looking like for you? You know, are you having to move? Are you going back to school? You know, what do those types of goals look like? The last thing you absolutely need to consider is how much money do you have to spend on your divorce or, or slash, are you comfortable spending on your divorce? And really think about that. Are you using a credit card? Do you have money set aside? Are you and your spouse agreeing to use joint funds for that amount? And what is a comfortable budget for you? And with all of these questions, you need to find a professional that will help you meet those goals and within your budget. A lot of people are terrified to talk about money in the context of divorce and divorce consults. And you absolutely have to, as a um, person going through the divorce and the professional meeting with somebody, I think both parties have an obligation to have that conversation. And a lot of people don't. And attorneys then just think that that client has written a blank check. <laughs> so um, money in the bank, money, money in the bank. In the bank. Um, and so that those are some important questions to just sit, write down your answers, really think about it. And make sure that you're prepared to talk about those with the the people that you're going to hire on your divorce team, whether that's an attorney, an attorney and a coach, a financial professional, who do you think you need on your team? Make sure that everybody is on the same page for what your goals are because the client drives the ship. So your team should be helping the client. This is your life. All, all the professionals involved will move on. They have other clients. They have other cases. They have lives. Yeah, they have lives. You know, that this is their profession. This is the client's life. So you get to drive the ship. Now, I'm going to balance that with the questions you need to be asking the professionals are, <laughs> are my goals realistic? You know, if you're saying, you know, gosh, if I'm sitting around, I would love to have $10 million in the bank at the end of this divorce, although we have, you know, $10,000 in an IRA. So are my goals realistic, right? Ask those questions. And as a professional, how can you help me meet my goals and be receptive to that advice? You know, nobody in, I've been doing this 20 years. This is my 20th year of practice. Nobody in a consult has ever asked me affirmatively is what I'm asking for realistic. It is always me saying, you know what? I, I, you know, a divorce doesn't make people richer. It doesn't create (laughs) assets. You know, it doesn't make people nicer, (laughs) you know, so my magic wand is broken. Um, But, um, you know, let's look at some other things, but think about that, you know, ask those professionals and defer to their judgment. You know, hopefully you're picking people who have experience, who've been doing this and know what they're talking about. And can you meet your goals within that budget? Because if not, you really need to have a a conversation with the professionals involved about what type of process and services you actually can afford. Because a a divorce should not bankrupt people. It shouldn't. It does in some, Mm -hmm. literally bankrupt some people. We have seen that. um, And we have seen people's entire financial structure be upended so that they walk away with nothing but debt or losing their children's college funds or retirement. Hey listeners, I just wanted to let you know about a new feature on the podcast website. We now have a special directory of episodes that are bunched by topic. 
We know it's really overwhelming when you're faced with trying to find trustworthy and helpful information when you're going through divorce. And since we have over 150 episodes to date, we know it can be hard to hunt through them all to find the one that answers the question that you have, but not anymore. Visit the divorceandbeyondpod.com website and click on the divorce topics tab on the menu bar. You're going to find pages dedicated to all kinds of divorce topics, including parenting, finance, high conflict, taming your emotions, mental health, and so much more. So be sure to check it out today at divorceandbeyondpod.com. Stay tuned for more from Tracy Moore Grant, who wants you to know that an amicable divorce is possible and well worth the effort if you do it right. Because then immediately after the divorce process, um, you're expected to be the best co-parents who ever were, or you're punished, you know? So let's put people on the path of success. Let's put them through a respectful process that they automatically are good co-parents on the other end of that process for those children. Hopefully all the right professionals are on board with doing that. If you are enjoying this episode, check out last week's show with Sherry Gaba, who wants to help listeners break their addiction to love so that they can avoid toxic relationships and find real healthy love in their lives. The first connection starts with yourself. That is what trauma therapy is, is learning how to connect with yourself in the most present way. And then from there, you can be with somebody that's healthy. If you're a love addict, you are craving connection, but the problem is you're craving it from the outside instead of starting from the inside out. And now we return to today's show. In talking about the consult with attorneys, those are interviews. I want to emphasize to people that you are interviewing that attorney. The attorney is not interviewing you. Attorneys provide services. You are a person who needs those services. You you said this, um, that your attorney is your partner, not your boss. But people are afraid when they go into those those interviews Mm -hmm. to ask those down and dirty questions. Am I being realistic? How much is this really going to cost? Here's what I we are trying to budget. Is this even feasible? What are the best choices? One of the things that I know that you have for listeners, and I'm going to mention it now, usually we only mention these at the end, everyone, but here's a bonus. Tracy <laughs> has a wonderful checklist of questions that you should ask a potential attorney. And I want, I, you know, they're wonderful. There's a lot of questions on there. I've been a practicing attorney for 32 years. You've mentioned one thing no one's ever asked. Are my or my desires and goals realistic. There's plenty of things on there that Mm -hmm. people, but the first thing people need to sort of get their mind around is that you're going in there to make some decisions. Is this the right professional for me? You're the, you're information gathering, but Mm -hmm. is this the right professional for me? Right? Exactly. It should feel like a partnership. It's fine to be nervous when you're meeting with a divorce attorney. I mean, most likely people haven't done this a million times. You know, it's an emotional experience. It could have a lot of buildup associated with it. And it's fully understandable to be completely nervous for that appointment. And a lot of people are. I hear that often. Um, But you shouldn't feel intimidated to talk to your attorney. Um, You should feel like that's a partnership. You should feel like this person is on my team. This is a teammate to get me to my goals. And I feel like this teammate is going to help me get to the finish line in in as best a position as possible. 
Um, divorce obviously can be, you know, incredibly detrimental for people. So they're not miracle workers, but it should have a good feeling about it. And if you meet with somebody and you don't have that good feeling, and if they're only offering, you know, litigation is the only way to solve your case, you know, oh, we're going to, I'm going to go to court. I'm going to fight for you. You know, all these different types of high conflict terms. I know you cringe. It's very cringy to me. I I see people put it on advertisements and I'm just like, oh, like stop. Um, that is, you know, probably a red flag in my opinion. And I always recommend people, if you have the time and you have some resources, because a lot of consults aren't free, meet with three attorneys and who feels the best. Um, it's a lot like when you get back out into the dating field, you do not have to marry the first person that you date. Um, you're, you're welcome. So to- remember this post-divorce folks. <laughs> yeah. You do and then not have post-divorce to marry. when you're dating, think of the same advice. You do <laughs> not have to marry the first person, but you may come back to that first person if they ended up being the best of the bunch. So you'll see attorneys have different styles. They have different ways that they run their office. They may have different plans for you or, or suggestions or advice. And you'll probably identify with one of those more than another. And so gather that information because it is a very important and impactful partnership um, before making a decision, you know, um, definitely do your research. Yeah. Well, actually download the the list of questions that Tracy is gifting to you and take that with you into those meetings. I always used to say to people, like people would come in for a consult. They, at the end of the consult would be like, great, where do I sign? And I'd be like, nope, nope, don't do that at this consultation. I want you to go home. I want you to think about it. And if you need a few more names, because I think you should speak to at least three attorneys before you make a decision, I'm happy to give you some names. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I would always tell people, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses with your divorce attorney. We are going to give you advice and tell you things that you do not want to hear. (laughs) Always. Always. And you need to hear it from someone you trust Mm -hmm. and that you trust what I'm saying is something you can rely upon. Because if you don't, it's a waste of your time because you then are not able to make decisions. So it's a critical relationship. It is. I think trust and trusting the expert advice that you're getting from your attorney and anybody else you enlist in your case, because if you trust them and they're recommending a particular route or choice, that also streamlines the process and gets things on the right track. Um, And so that trust is incredibly important. I also think just financial transparency also. That's where attorneys and clients get sideways with one another because they have different expectations. The client might be thinking, you know, $2,500 is going to get me, you know, to the finish line and get a deposition and going to get all these things. And the attorney is like, well, that covered, you know, a couple hours of my time and that's it. You have to have those conversations to be on the same page, to not have that breakdown in the attorney-client relationship. So financial transparency, expectations on both sides, I think is really important to have that. A lot of people don't want to talk about money, um, but this divorce involves all of your money. Um, Everybody's going to be talking about all of your money, every penny (laughs) of it um, and all and everything else in your, in your life. And so there is no harm in having candid conversations um, with anybody that you hire about your financial expectations for the case. Yeah, it's it's a critical part of this. And, you know, I, I, I the one other thing I'm thinking of, and I know there are people out there thinking this or saying this because there's going to be the yeah, but so now you've talked about 
okay, we do want an amicable divorce. We understand it's not going to be easy, but we know we need to go find the right attorneys, the right team members. What do you do when your spouse has already gone out and hired the shark? Has already, does that mean an amicable divorce is off the table? It depends. Actually, you were talking about me being a divorce whisperer. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. It really depends. I've been involved where people have hired me simply because of being the founder of the amicable divorce network, where they've said, if you're involved in the case, I think the other attorney will behave. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, cause who wants to fight with the amicable attorney, you know, so I've right. definitely had that experience and I've gotten involved in some of those cases in the, in the past. I don't take litigation cases personally anymore. Um, however, um, in the past, what sort of led to the development of my practice now um, was getting either called in as co-counsel on high conflict cases or getting handed high conflict cases um, from attorneys where the case had gotten away from them, so to speak, or the client was sick of what was going on and wanted a different approach. And one of the greatest satisfactions professionally, other than resolving cases as a mediator um, that I've had is taking some cases that were absolute nightmares and just whittling it down to what was important, getting everybody focused on what needed to be done and getting those people resolved in a peaceful way without World War III. Um, And so using those skills, I'm glad you mentioned Bill Eddy because the Biff method is like my jam. I mean, magic, magic. magic golden. Um, I love it. It's sitting on my desk um, because even when you're amicable, you often need a personal reminder of that, you know? And so, you know, that was a very rewarding part of my career to, you know, do that type of thing and sort of triage some high conflict cases. And so I still get called in to do that every now and then, you know, with some, with some parties and I'm happy to help if I can. Hopefully um, we can provide more amicable divorces. So there's less and less of that sort of high conflict mentality. I really think people are getting smarter and they are looking for a better and healthier way to divorce. And so we really want to connect them with the right people. Right. And, and something for people to remember if they are talking to their spouse and their spouse is inclined to go nuclear with, you know, the hardcore litigation attorney, if healthier and more respectful are not keywords that are bringing your spouse in, try less expensive. Exactly. Yeah. You know, find the, the hook that's, that's going to get them to the amicable table. And frankly, I mean, just Tracy and I, but between the two of us, we have over 50 years of practice here, folks. So we, we know, <laughs> and we've been in those courtrooms and we've sent those humongous bills out to clients and we've blown through retainers in, in a day. Yeah. Very easily. Um, trust us, the closer you get to that courtroom door and the more time you spend in there, the more it's just, it's just truth. Yeah. And I think what's interesting with what you're talking about is, you know, the concept of an amicable divorce, um, and, and professionals who engage in amicable divorces, the other attorneys, all the other professionals involved are making less money. They're making less money per client because it's more streamlined. It's getting resolved outside of court. And so people are always suspicious of this. I have, you know, so many people who are like, well, why would you agree to make less money? And what I think the people looking at this process need to understand is that for the most part, people decided to do family law because they wanted to help people. 
And the people involved in our network, the professional members have an understanding that the court system doesn't help people and they want to be engaged in something that actually is helping people. I would much rather people spent their money on, you know, going on a holistic retreat, you know, something like that, as opposed to spending it in, in legal fees. And then I feel, I feel better as a person ethically, you know, I can wake up in the morning knowing that I have helped, you know, these clients and I feel better about that. My blood pressure is lower. I'm dealing with opposing counsel and other team members who I enjoy, who are absolutely delightful. We all have the same goals and mindset, and it's much better to work with those types of professionals for us. So professionals like, you know, me and Susan and others who, you know, could make tons of money off of conflict, we don't want to. (laughs) So, you know, we are all choosing to do it a better way and and taking as many clients as we can with us down that path. So people are always suspicious of that. Why, you know, why would you make, why would you choose to make less? It's like, because it feels good. Well, you, and you make less maybe per client. Per client. Yeah. But you have you're many able, more happy clients. Exactly. And you, so you get, and you, you can have more clients because frankly, if I'm not standing in a courtroom all day for one case, I could be working on all of my cases in the yes. office. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, the wear and tear, I don't know. I'm mean, nobody, this is not boohoo for divorce attorneys who go to court, but it's hard it is a very difficult way to earn a living unless you're one of that very small percent of people who thrive on that type of conflict and um, process. And I don't know, honestly don't know, as you said, most people get into family law because we want to help people. Mm-hmm. It is a hard way to earn a living because it is, it, the, the system is just so destructive for people. So mm-hmm. you can't, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. I mean, nobody feels good about putting people's children on the stand, you know, about just throwing money down the toilet on, you know, experts and, you know, that's just not your, a good way to live. I mean, as a professional and, um, we need the parties who are choosing their divorce process to really understand and weigh your options and have candid conversations with your professionals about, you know, is, my goal for having a good co-parenting relationship with my soon-to-be ex-spouse. I want to have that. Is is the process that you can offer me going to honor that? And it's like, well, you know, if you're going to court, you're having to sling mud at the other person. You can't both stand there and say, we're both great parents. We just have different parenting plans in mind. The judge would throw you out and say, I don't have time for this. You know, what's your problem? Like, I don't even know what to do with that. You know, you have to get nasty and it's it's a shame. Because then immediately after the divorce process, um, you're expected to be the best co-parents who ever were, or you're punished, you know, so let's put people on the path of success. Let's put them through a respectful process that they automatically are good co-parents on the other end of that process for those children. Um, And so I think um, hopefully all the right professionals are on board with doing that. Well, and now you, we get to that point because now we've talked about why you would want an amicable divorce, what you need to have an amicable divorce. But again, I know I, there are people out there um, and my professionals. I have a lot of professionals who listen to the podcast. Explain why you've created the Amicable Divorce Network, because I think that's a critical part of all this for everyone. It can be wonderful to have a commitment to having an amicable divorce, but how do you find those people that are going to help you get there? Yeah. So we um, are trying to gather all those people together into the Amicable Divorce Network, all those good eggs out there, 
you know, all those professionals that everybody enjoys working with who really help their clients who are future focused. So um, we have all sorts of divorce professionals in the Amicable Divorce Network from attorneys, mediators, arbitrators, insurance agents, uh, mental health professionals, you know, anybody that really comes into contact with divorce, coaches, um, all sorts of professionals, you know, certified divorce lending professionals, anybody that you need start to finish and even after divorce is in our network. Now, to be a member, you have to have five years of experience. Um, You have to be vetted by um, other members, by your references for being a low-conflict attorney. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't handle, you know, cases that are in the court system. A lot of our members handle all sorts of different types of cases, but it means that um, you, when appropriate, are recommending settlement or a you know a resolution focused attorney. And as professionals in this space, we know who those are. Especially if you're a mediator and you're looking behind the scenes, you know you see how people really behave. Um, and you're also vetted for having fair billing practices. Um, so if somebody has a minimum billing requirement, there's a waiver that they have to get signed off on by whoever is their supervising um, attorney. But you'll see it's a lot of sole practitioners, people in small firms that are really the managers of their own destiny who are members. Um, um, but we have members um, across the board. So people can find any of our members by looking at our website, which is couldn't be easier. It's amicabledivorcenetwork.com. And there's a find a professional tab. And you can sort by state or profession or whoever it is that you want. Um, we just opened up membership this year to uh, members outside of Georgia. We started in Georgia in 2019. It got incredibly successful. So we started expanding. Um, so we don't have members everywhere yet, but every day we're growing. Yesterday we opened up Pennsylvania. So we're just really starting to um, get members everywhere to help people. So. Um, We want to make sure if you find a professional in our network, they are going to support your desire for a low-conflict divorce. So the quality of our membership is incredibly important to us. Well, and I think you can hear your commitment to an amicable divorce, a respectful divorce. So everyone understanding that's why you founded this. I love the idea of it because... I'll be frank. I'll be, I always am with my listeners. You can go in and interview an attorney and ask them if they're going to be amicable, if they're going (laughs) to keep costs down, if they're going to, you know, handle the divorce in the respectful fashion that you would want. That, that is not always the best way to know that that attorney is going to actually follow through that. I'm not saying anyone lies. I'm just saying your perception of an amicable divorce Mm -hmm. or respectful divorce may be different. And so knowing that you have someone dedicated to that, I mean, it's right in the name uh, to me is, is a huge jump forward. So I do also encourage my, my colleagues out there who are listening, um, who want to make it easier for clients to find them, um, consider joining, reach out to Tracy, because I think they can go to the same website, right, Tracy? They can. And there's a a professional application on the website. Um, If you're already a member, you can get an endorsed um, invitation to join. We sent out a lot of those this year um, where other members had referred people who they felt would be a good colleague and a good fit. Um, So you could also receive an invitation to join. We just welcome anybody that really wants to help people divorce better. Um, This year, we're also having our first certified amicable divorce professional training designation in Florida. And so that's also going to set the bar for what is an amicable professional. So people will receive the CADP designation. 
Um, and then they have the opportunity to get um, a deeper dive. So we have then specialties um, that people can get. So after you become a CADP, you have a choice to get um, different specialties. And in 2022, it's to become a financial expert, um, to become an expert in LGBTQ plus families and children. And um, then the third is for special needs children and families. We found a huge population to assist with special needs children because they really do need a very flexible process, which we have, which is designed for the parties. And they like it to be child focused and they have different needs that the court system just can't address. So, and then next year we will have different designations. So our most popular one from this year will be redone, but then next year we're focusing on diversity and inclusion in parenting plans, um, addiction issues and blended families. So people who are already CADPs can come back and get more designations so that they can connect directly with you know, the communities and the families that want that help. And they can see they took an extra step to get those certifications. So um, we're really excited about that training. It's um, as far as I know, the first of its kind that really focuses on this and really how to help people get through the divorce. So, and keep it low conflict. So, well, I love all of it. I have to say I have an expert coming on shortly who's going to do a special double episode on divorce with special needs children involved because it is so complicated, so complicated. I had to make it. I already knew it was going to be two (laughs) episodes because it's so complicated. And then I have a colleague coming on and we're going to do a special issue on pride and inclusive divorce and, you know, just the laws around that and, and some of the things that I think professionals need to be a little more aware of. Uh, So I'm thrilled to see you providing (laughs) those trainings for our professionals. I love that we've actually confirmed for people that an amicable divorce is not a unicorn. It actually exists. <laughs> it's available to anybody who wants one. It's, it's your not choice. Gonna, it's not going to be a cakewalk. It takes work. It takes, you know, putting on those big girl panties or big boy boxers, but mm-hmm. you can do it. You can be respectful. So one last time, best way to get in touch with you, get more information and get the, I'm going to have a link to the, um, to the download for the, the questions to ask in an interview for an attorney. So we have two websites for professionals. Please go to um, amicabledivorcenetwork.com. And if you are a person facing divorce, looking to get more information, go to our website, divorceamicably.com. Um, because we have two different audiences for our concepts, we've divided them. And so you'll be able to find this handout that I've prepared. We're going to put it on both blogs on either website. You'll be able to find it. And any professionals interested in just learning a little bit more, wanting to connect with me, my direct email is Tracy, and that's spelled T-R-A-C-Y at amicabledivorcenetwork.com. And I'm always happy to answer any questions that um, anybody might have. So I'm always, in- always interested in talking about amicable divorce. I could talk all day. <laughs> well, and she is the divorce whisperer. So you might get us some good tips. Tracy, thank you so much for joining me. And I'm so happy that we were able to, you know, pull back the curtain on an amicable divorce. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. 
I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.